Greetings, mortals. Welcome to Death Daddy's Graveyard Shift, where darkness and light intertwine and conversations about death and dying brings us all closer to life itself. I am your host, Death Daddy, and I am here to guide you through the twilight realm of all things death, dying, and grief. In each episode, we will dive deep into a wide range of subjects from the various stages of grief to the different bathing techniques that work best for certain health conditions. Through the podcast, we will provide much-needed support for caregivers, those warriors in the trenches who selflessly care for others at the end of life. We will also share heartwarming stories of human resilience and explore ways in which grief has shaped our artistic and creative expressions, as well as discussing the profound impact loss can have on our personal relationships. So join me, Death Daddy, as we traverse the highways and byways of death's domain. Together, we will build a community that understands the complexities of grief and embraces the beauty of life, even in its final moments. Hey, Des, how are you today? So good. Thanks for having me. Good, good, good. Why don't you tell my friends a little bit about yourself and what you do? Yeah, uh, my name is Des, Desiree. Um, I am a freelance artist. I love my family, love my pets. I have a niched business that offers content creation like reels and podcast edits and social media graphics and stuff like that for business owners that want to be creative and consistent with their content on their platforms. Wow. Very cool. Very cool. So what is your connection to death? Oh, man. So, you know, I've been thinking a lot about this since we decided that I was coming on the podcast. And sure. I wanted to write a few things and also let it all flow, but reflecting on everything is like, I, you know, I listened to a few other episodes um, and, oh my gosh, is it, um, she, the company BITE acronym? Uh, Shayla, is Shayla, yes. It starts with an S. Um, I loved her episode and she talked a lot about how, you know, she didn't really have as much personal experience with grief as a child and so you know she was a little um naive to some of the things that the kids were going through until she started really digging into it you know and so and i'm on the other end of it where i actually you know counting up i've lost seven people that i considered friends or and in fact actually one was just a friend the rest were all i was either related to um you know, it was close to me or I had dated them and yeah. And in the last 20 years, that's seven people. So yeah. And, and that's a lot. My, you know, my first death that I experienced was, well, I got, let me go back. You asked grief. Sorry. I'm ADHD. No, you're okay. You're okay. I am too. This should be fun. (laughs) (laughs) We'll just bounce off each other. Oh no. People who don't who don't like the ADHD ears, they're like, what am I getting into? Yes, they're like, they're they're gonna need a nap by the end of this. <laughs> yes. Um, but there's so many pieces in your podcast that that is really valuable to either people who have experienced grief, um, or just trying to relate to somebody else right. going through it. Right, because it is a very foreign experience to someone who's never had to to deal with that. Mm-hmm. And it is really one of those things that, you know, I, I, I saw a post in a mom group that was like, I'm in a club that I didn't ask to be in. <laughs> right. Yeah. Right. Right. It's kind of like, I, well, I guess this isn't the same at all, but I think about uh, when I used to own a Jeep Wrangler. And uh, for folks who don't know, if you own a Jeep Wrangler, literally every single Jeep Wrangler that drives by you is going to wave 
Every driver <laughs> is going to wave to you, and it's just a little secret club that you join. Yeah, grief is grief is kind of similar. <laughs> yeah, no, it, it really is. It's just weird. And in fact, there's some support groups like, and we all know like you kind of join them, and then sometimes you graduate from them. Just being yes. in the group triggers you a little bit, and and you're past that point. Right, um, right. It's almost like it's it's little twelve step thing that no one has really figured out the best way to navigate. Right, because everyone processes and experiences loss so differently. You know, everyone's mm -hmm. coping mechanisms, as I, you know, as I've discussed with previous guests, everybody's coping mechanisms are so different. You know, and and I like to use the the example of you know physical things for some folks like exercising, walking. That works really great, but for other people, they're more based out of their mind, and that's where they find the most comfort. And so for them, meditative activities are usually what makes them feel best. You know, I, I am not one of those people, and so for me, that would be my personal hell being stuck around in a, a room meditating all day. Oh, my God. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm too, I'm too ADHD to do that. Like, yes. I love massages, but I try to talk her down. I'm like, can we just do 30 minutes instead of an hour? Right, right. I might so, explode. <laughs> yeah, and, and back to kind of your point, you, you know, going and deep diving into things like that, sometimes people go into you know, addiction, it, it goes yes. the opposite way. Um, yes. Grief. And I, I think it's, it's really hard in, in my scenario. And, and I do want to just kind of put a disclaimer, um, to people who are healing from generational trauma. Um, and if any of my family catch this, you know, it's none of this is out of malice. Like, right. This so, is just the, recounting of your experience. Right. And, and it's so fair for everyone to do that. But a lot of people, or especially children, they feel so guilty talking yeah. bad about the experiences, whether it was intentionally their parents' fault or it wasn't. Right. Um, it's it's a hard line, but in in my experience with it, with my mother, you know, she had actually lost her dad at about the same age that I lost my stepdad. Wow. And yeah, and her mom did not deal with the grief well, and so there's sure. addiction. There's just some really heavy stuff that, that goes on. And I, I think that, I, I don't know, you, you got to recognize it's grief first, you know? Yes. Yes. Yeah. So it's that's my experience. <laughs> yeah. It's, it's it, grief and addiction are so tightly uh, connected and, and it doesn't just have to be to substances. Um, I, I took care of a, a, a lady once, this has been years and years ago. Um, she was only 38 years old and she had lost her mother when she was about 35, 36 mm -hmm. and literally did not get out of bed again. She's, yeah. She just wouldn't get out of bed. She was so addicted to that, <clears throat> the depression the depression yeah. and the, the the negative feelings that she literally couldn't shake herself out of it. And at the point I found her, she was in the hospital because she had such horrible bed sores. Yeah. But she had no reason to have those. There were no comorbidities. She literally just grieved herself into a, a completely dysfunctional catatonic state. Um, oh, my God. Yes, it was it was one of the most uh, horrific uh, illustrations of dysfunctional grief I'd ever seen. Yeah. Bless your and, heart. And when your heart breaks, I, I think a lot of people can relate to this. You know, uh, Shayla had talked about um, just losing a friend for, for children is oh, yes. uh, just a huge part of grief. Yes. Um, your parents divorcing, the loss mm. of a dog, like mm. 
those things that, that happen, we really, in my opinion, need to just sit with our children and, and feel what they're feeling and, right. and kind of go through it with them. But also, you know, sometimes you get into a fight with somebody and like maybe you're not friends. Or, well, we just said that as, as a child, but maybe it's even a coworker. And so for you to kind of acknowledge, like, I am feeling a little irritable today. Like I'm, I'm going through this and I mean, journaling helps me a, a ton just because I've, I've been through so much and reprocessing it. But, yes. um, doing it in a healthy manner. You know, it's, it's neat too. If you are able to look back on a situation that was such a great source of like that heart wrenching, like breath taking away pain. Um, mm-hmm. and, and then you're able to reflect on it when you're not in that place of pain anymore. Um, right. And you're able to dissect little things that you took away that were positive from even the worst experience. Um, yeah. You know, whether that be character building strength, whether that be, you know, just proving to yourself that you're resilient, even in the worst absolute times. Um, there are a lot of character building things that come from these, these horrible experiences that we have. It's just about deciding to take on the mindset that you're able to see those things. Um, right. And, and and I think that those decisions are really powerful. Those are really powerful. Um, I, I made the decision when I turned about 34 that I was only going to surround myself with positive people um, who were moving forward. And, and I tell you, the quality of my life uh, just continues to improve because I hold on to that mantra. Um, yeah. It's a lot of our mental space, a lot of our um, life decisions come more from the uh, decisions that we make than we realize. Right. And and of course, nobody wants to be traumatized by all those things. Right. But I eventually, I mean, for, for me and my experience, I, I woke up one day, I was 26. I was on my porch, you know, single mom, living on my own, sitting on my porch. It's <laughs> just crying and I was yeah. I was grieving um you know I just experienced losing someone to suicide mm. and it was like that in itself like by the way <laughs> that in, is a completely different healing process because there's so many like you I don't know I, I feel like even if you get a letter well I don't know sorry I'm going down a hole um no in our case we didn't get a letter so I wonder if we would have healed differently with a letter, but from the support groups that I've joined, like, it's just, it's a monster. It's hard. Yes, yes and, I, I can't imagine. Yeah, and and of course it comes, you know, eventually I got my PTSD diagnosis. Um, the nightmares were just overwhelming. And, yeah. and I think to someone who doesn't experience this, like my husband, um, you know, I'll wake up and sometimes I'll just start crying and I'm trying not to cry too loud and like wake him up. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And I had to accept that like at some part, like this is just a part of me living now. Yes. And yeah. I can at least relate to other people. And right. oh my gosh, I value the life of my, like I, I love my family and I love my family members. Like, but I mean, unless they're really big fights, I kind of simmer things down and I'm like, is this like right. really that big of a deal? You know, like I'm right. so just excited for everybody to be happy and healthy and my quality of life went up 
and down. It's really hard yes. to, you know. No, I, I, I understand exactly what you're saying there. Um, it's it's It makes you realize that, especially in the form of suicide, where it's just such an unexpected loss, it makes you realize how much it's important to leave every encounter as though it were your last. You know, and yeah. so suddenly these small things that are just really trivial, trivial things that we like to fight about sometimes. Sometimes I think it's just for the sake of fighting. We need to get a little bit of right. aggression out and we feel safe taking it out on each other. Um, right. But, you know, should should there be, you know, an accident or, or something of that nature, then you're, you're stuck with the guilt of how you left things. Yeah. Um, and Sorry, go, go ahead. No, go ahead. No, um, it's just, it's so weird in the generational trauma thing, because I, I think a lot of people experience this just being realistic, how, how it used to be and how people were raised and yes. just trickles down. So I, it's not uncommon and a lot more people are coming out about the generational trauma. So yes. to experience both of that, that comes with a lot of boundaries and not talking to family and grief right. or accountability that sometimes people don't want to have and right um and validating yourself i feel like when you've been in that cycle for so long you're like you invalidate your grief you say like you're the problem rather than yes you you invalidate your experience in general just to keep the dang peace um you know what you feel and what your experience is with it is not near as important to you as just not feeling that conflict and that dysfunction again. Um, I, I, I came from a, a rather tumultuous uh, household as well and a lot of uh, physicality and, and, and yelling and, and things of that nature. And I took that role too. I was the peacekeeper. Um, yeah. I would say anything. I would do anything. Just please don't freaking yell. Yeah. <laughs> Just shut like, up. Alone, you're like, <laughs> I could have gone this way, but this might've happened. Like there's so many things. And then, you know, especially after you experience a death, you wonder about like, should I get rid of this boundary? Is mm. this person okay to welcome back in? Are right. these happening? You know, because it takes so long to create that boundary, and then you're like, oh, should I have? It's and and in some situations, you definitely should have. Like, I I don't want to in, invalidate anybody's boundaries there, but um, you definitely think about it differently after losing people. Um, yes. But, and that's why therapy is so important to go hash this out with professionals and people beyond us. And, um, and sometimes just say it out loud to someone who can, uh, you know, offer an outside perspective. And yes, because they don't, they don't have any, any irons in this fire. And so they're able to just look at things very objectively. Um, and, and oftentimes I've found in my experiences with therapy that um, it's more about pointing out the ways I can fix my own behavior and less validating how I'm right in everything that I think I'm right in. Absolutely. <laughs> and that can I, be a little challenging sometimes to the ego. <laughs> I was listening to a podcast and it's actually a podcast for creatives, but you know, as you do, po- conversations give you value. And yes. he was talking about being a better communicator and he mentioned that he really takes in what somebody says sometimes. Did they have the intention to bother me when they said that? Yes. Yeah. And I have, it changed my life like that sentence. And I've just taken everything in. It's like, okay, they did not say that to bug me. 
Like maybe <laughs> this bothers me because I feel passionately about this thing, but they didn't say it to make me mad. And then sometimes they did say it to make me mad. And those people, I, I can't. <laughs> 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 Those are the people that there's there's that I'm a the worst. <laughs> there's a lovely little saying here in the South that I I like to champion, and it's just bless your heart for those people. Just bless your heart. <laughs> yeah, and you know what? I've I've been on both sides. Like I I've said mean things intentionally to hurt sure. people, and I think that that is such a not just a growing experience from your adolescence because you I mean people kids are influenced so easily, mm-hmm. um, but you eventually have to grow up and and recalculate everything yes so having been such a a young person when you lost your your stepdad i I believe you told me you were about 13 is that correct Mm -hmm. um what were the things that you needed to hear as that 13 year old to help you guide through grief what what could folks have done better for you uh during that time so I, I think the whole thing, I mean, well, I, I, it's just a, a blanket answer is, is therapy. Um, mm. We didn't do any therapy, mm. but mind you, now that I'm older, I can be like, okay, my mom was grieving. Yes. This was happening. Yes. Um, as much as, you know, I don't think that those are routes that I take with my own child, like my own child is in therapy when he <laughs> grieves and, and needs yes. certain things. But back then, I, you know, I don't know how taboo it was. I don't know her mindset. I don't know her financial, like, I don't know her bandwidth. And so. Right. Right. I think sometimes as, as, as kids, we expect our parents to be superhuman. And it's not mm -hmm. until we reach our adulthood that we realize, oh, crap, they had their own shit they were dealing with right then. You know, they may not have been able to see me at that point. Yeah. Or even become parents. There's, There's definitely things that I. I mean, I'm like, oh, I don't know how my mom did it with three kids. <laughs> <laughs> right, right, so, right. Our parents and, suddenly go from being terrible people to superhuman again. We're like, wow, right. you handled that so much better than I am. <laughs> right. And I, I think at that point, like my mom had, I mean, it, it was such a weird thing. So my my mom, when I say stepdad, um, you know, we considered family on his headstone. Um, he didn't have any kids except for my mom's kids, but we weren't biologically his. Sure. Um but on his headstone, it says father. Like we, it was a huge, huge loss. Yeah. And, but prior to that, you know, my parents got divorced. My favorite grandma passed away. Mm. Um, there was numerous opportunities to do things. And, and I think that that's what, in my case, like I wish people would have just taken my family as a whole. It's like, look, everybody, like, let's get some therapy. Let's, yeah, let's process some, this. Right. Let's do something different. And um, I I mean, just when you're grieving and and you're going through not just a divorce from prior, but then like and now your your new husband or fiance passes away. Like it's that's insane. So um, everybody's affected by it, really. And and I wish that for me, someone would have just sat down a little bit more and like. You know, we're going to celebrate their birthday. We're going right. to do these things. It was kind of shoved aside, really. It wasn't like a, it was just kind of like a sad day. We don't talk about it. But sure, too painful to visit. 
Right. And and a lot of people, like, I totally respect people that don't want to go to funerals or it freaks them out or they don't want to see a body. Like, mm-hmm, I, I get mm-hmm, it. Mm-hmm. Um, because I remember seeing my, my stepdad and he didn't look like, like you could tell he's dead. Like, yeah, yeah, for sure. Um, so as much as I don't want to say that, you know, I've gone to viewings where it was very peaceful. Um, and it, I actually don't like the viewings, but I like the funerals. I like the, the memories. I like the sharing of, like, how great they were. I like the... Um, the celebration of life things, the sure. positive things, because yes. as sad as it is, um, and this is going to sound a little morbid, this might come with like all my <laughs> trauma, um, like they're out of pain. They're yes. out of like, they're, I'm, I'm trying, that sounds so bad because no, it doesn't honestly, sound there's bad no at all. positive, like in, in that moment, it's so, it's a loss. It sucks. Like nobody deserves to grow up without a dad or without a, Right. You know, but, um, but nobody deserves to suffer. No right. one and, and deserves to suffer. And you don't deserve to suffer in that grief right. all the time. So, like, let's right. celebrate those things. Right. Let's and, let's celebrate the happy times. Let's celebrate the times that this person would want to be remembered for. Right. Um, because they're not just dead. Right. Right. And they weren't just somebody who had whatever disease process or somebody who, you know, suffered a fatality in an accident or something like that. That was that was a human being who lived a life that deserves to be commemorated. Exactly. And yeah. and I, I think that's my um, because I'm so far in my in my grief journey, I feel very prepared to help you know my my son went through his first little breakup and it was the worst thing to watch <laughs> yes i i mean people ask me all the time if toddlers or teenagers are harder and i i just say it's harder in different forms Ways. yes yeah yes so yeah the, the toddlers can't communicate as well and the teenagers boy that's all they can do is communicate so <laughs> yeah <laughs> And when someone's heart is broke in front of you, it's it's just hard. Especially when it's somebody who takes up so much of your own dang heart space. Yeah. Yeah. Right. I I remember watching watching my little girl go through some some breakups and yeah, it's it's terrible to see your kid hurt. I hate that. Yeah. I hate that. Yeah. Um, They go through so much. I mean, the teachers mean, the kids are mean sometimes. (laughs) And so I I think I keep coming back to your question of like well, I went on a tangent, but did I answer it? But I'm, I'm going to answer it again. I, I think everyone should sit with their kids and just and just be there and be like, yeah, it, it sucks. It's okay to be sad. Yeah, yeah. Validation is is key. Validation mm-hmm. is key. You know, it's 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 a common theme I think on our show that we we talk about people feeling invisible, and and I I feel like that this this podcast should be such a representation for caregivers and for people who are chronically ill because they are invisible and they do need a voice. Um, yeah. You know, a, a, an illness doesn't cancel out the fact that you're a damn human being and that you yeah. have valid thoughts and feelings that need to be expressed and heard. Um, and it doesn't matter what your age is. <laughs> yeah, I was just I was just thinking it's such a spectrum. Like, I, I can't imagine, like, the time that I'm possibly without my husband and I'm older and my son yeah. has his own family and he's yeah. busy and it's me and this dog that I picked out that will hang out with me and <laughs> <laughs> I have plans like I but, but say, I, I also think that I deal with that very well because I've been very lonely and I've had mm. a lot to work through I'm very realistic about what the future could possibly hold right um but I, I, I think that's where um I, I don't even 
I, I hope caregivers know how valuable they are because I've I've worked in nursing homes and I've worked with handicapped clients and I mean you are their friends you really are yes yes so sometimes you are literally their only contact with the outside world um, yeah. You know, and, and that's why I try to bring such positivity to the table. Uh, I, I'm still an, an active nurse in a hospital here in my uh, uh, oh, area. Yeah, okay. And uh, I, I try to bring so much positivity into the room um, because I know that if they are experiencing the outside world, chances are it's through the news and there's nothing positive on that outlet so <laughs> you know I, I i try to to focus their attention off of all this negativity because that's that's the biggest thing to me that concerns me for the social well-being of these caregivers is just all the negativity i see them wallow in on a consistent yeah. basis and um, the grief that they go through like our, yes. our grandfather just he couldn't lift a desk the other day and my husband had to like forcefully have me lift the desk and I could just I was so uncomfortable taking this this moment from him but also like I like you can't lift the desk I I can't let you do it's not a good idea (laughs) he can do a lot more than he can and that's a huge part of their grief like that yes yes I that's so hard yes the loss of independence is a, a terrible and frightening thing and and the unfortunate thing is we will all experience it um, yeah. And and so I, I think oftentimes we forget that because you know we are so in the moment and and we do have such a an American invincibility complex. <laughs> yes. Um, oh my gosh. That yeah. <laughs> everyone else is going to get old clearly, but me. And uh, so you know we need to just be mindful of how we are treating our elders, as that will be you if you're lucky one day. Right. And and I think like maybe this is the whole message on our episode here is that be more sympathetic to everybody around you. Um, You know, I I see I see car accident videos here and there just scrolling through the reels. You don't really know. Sometimes it's going to come up. Right. right. And, And there's such a difference between the people in like London that get into an accident and opposed to the Americans that get into an accident. <laughs> and um, I'm just going to say by that observation, like very surface on, on that, I, you know, like sometimes I take situations and I'm like, okay, this happened. Like, I know this sucks, but it happened. So like, what now? Like, I'm not trying to be like, you could have done this. You could have, could have, should have, would have. Yeah. I need to move forward. Like, let's fix something because I've, been in very negative spaces for a very right. long time and you know to me like a blown out tire is minor like yes. to, to my husband who hasn't experienced a ton of death like that's that's huge and and <laughs> I, I did it when we like don't have the money or we're struggling but when we keep the money and the tire blows out I'm like calm down like, everything is fine <laughs> so, like, you're safe and the tire blew out like that's a miracle like we're good right right nobody's injured all is well nobody's right. injured and that's what's important yes yeah, yeah it's it, it's it's just funny to me how perspective is everything you know because had you been you know maybe just six months or a year into things uh with grief then that tire would just be the end of the world as well um just one more thing just one more thing my god but it, yeah you know you are a living testament to the fact that time doesn't necessarily heal 
It just teaches you how to constructively live with it, if you'll allow it, if you will let yourself come out of that mind space of negativity. Yeah, yeah, I have to. There's, like, the days that I wake up from, um, I have a very recurring, like, sorry, it's hard to talk about. The, the dream that I'll get sometimes is I, I'm at this person's house that I've lost to suicide and they their parents are waiting for them for their birthday or something mm-hmm. and, and it's different scenarios like they're always mm-hmm. like we're on a hike or something and like we're waiting for them and they come up and they tell me like oh but I can't come back like I'm I'm still gone and I, I wake up and I'm just in tears it's, it's so hard sure. and I have to sit with my feelings for a little bit like after like sometimes I try to hold in my, my crying and then there's a certain point where I'm like, let it out because you're going to feel better. <laughs> right, right. Why am I holding this in? <laughs> yeah, and I, because I can't stop thinking about it. I can't yeah. go back to bed. I can't do anything. And so, like, I have the best husband in the world to help me through all of this. And sometimes I wake him up and I'm just crying too hard and, and then I can go back to bed. And luckily he falls asleep with me and he's not too upset about that. So. <laughs> 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 but it is it is hard and it's so yeah. hard to establish a new normal with that um and especially you, you know i i completely understand why people would not want to live with that and and decide not to sure um and sure. and it creates more grief so i'm like i'm not here to say that as an answer and i'm here to say i can i can empathize with that for sure right you 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 understand the the depths of that pain Yes, but what you're showing, what you're showing is, you know, the 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 great potential if you just sit with the pain and allow yourself to work through it. You know, Mm -hmm. um, I, I don't know that our mental health and our physical health are too separate from one another. And so what I do know is that when you have a very serious physical ailment, the treatments and the procedures that we do to cure or fix that physical ailment are painful and they're mm-hmm. uncomfortable, but mm-hmm. you've got to go through it. Otherwise, you're not going to get better. And I think our mental health is the exact same way. You know, the, the, the pain that we feel is is likened to the, the, the procedure pain that we feel. And if you just sit through with it, you're going to come out better on the other side. Right. Yeah. I actually just said this to my sister the other day. We have heart doctors. We have lung doctors. Yeah. We have brain doctors. But like, what are, why is there such a taboo? Why is there such a taboo around people getting mental health and going to therapy? And so many people clap back with, I don't need that. Like, <laughs> right. everybody needs it. And I don't, <laughs> if you haven't, like, First of all, have you seen outside? <laughs> Everybody needs it. <laughs> right. And and I think I have a pretty privileged life, like where I'm I'm at. Like I have clean water, I have a car, I oh my gosh, I bought a house with a garage. I feel so cool. <laughs> right, right. Like I've upgraded from a carport to a garage. Like yes. I'm so spoiled. I have such a good life. And like there's all awesome. these very validating real things over here. Yes. But like for these people to just come back and, and be like, I don't need it. I'm like, no, no, no. Right. No. The world is crazy. Even if you have all these things, 
there's still so many other things that you're battling. Like it's, it's just a new level of, um, because I used to struggle with like toxic positivity. It used to be like, Oh, well this isn't this bad. And, and I, <laughs> I still follow that a little bit because, because again, the, the tire thing, like this isn't that bad. Like I, I do like count my blessings a, a lot. And I think that keeps me in perspective but yes. I don't invalidate that grief is hard. I don't invalidate that my son failing a test when he thought he'd do better is is hard. Right, right. Um, Disappointment is still real. Yeah. Right. Yeah. You know, it, it's it's. Um, I used to be a travel nurse, and so as a travel nurse, you know, you go into the worst of the worst staffing situations. Otherwise, these hospitals would not be willing to pay that kind of money for a nurse if it wasn't desperate. Right. And so I compare every single assignment to the absolute worst assignment I've had, and that's how I make it through. You know, the, the, mm. the worst assignment I had, I was taking 12 patients to one nurse and no tech to help me. Um, mm. And that was absolute hell for 13 weeks. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So anything that's less than that, I'm like, eh, it could be worse. <laughs> <laughs> but it doesn't mean it's not hard. Correct. It yeah. doesn't mean it's yeah. not hard. It doesn't mean it's not hard. But that's what I try to tell my nurses when we have a, a poorly staffed shift is, you know, guys, it could be worse. We can make it through this trust me <laughs> yeah. we've got this this isn't a big deal yeah yeah you know and and sometimes i wonder if we when we say it isn't a big deal if we're literally just saying that to be the moral cheerleader for everyone else you know because <laughs> once again here we are trying to control the the um the atmosphere of the room, you know, and this time it's not uh -huh. from that, uh, it, don't yell at me. It's from that, uh, you know, everybody don't be so anxious. Everybody don't be so short. Like it's, it's right. going to be okay. Right. And that's, that's funny. Oh man. I, I have a, a roller coaster incident where, um, the roller coaster ride stopped working oh. and, um, I hated this ride. Oh. I absolutely did not. I never wanted to be on this ride and we get stuck at the top and the operators are like 18, 19. Like I, I used to work here as a teenager, so I know how young they are. <laughs> oh my God. And I'm like, oh no, no, no. And we're stuck at the top, but my niece is, you know, there's four of us in the car and my niece, I think she's like eight. Um, and she's like <laughs> freaking out. Yeah. And I'm like, it's okay. Like we're good. <laughs> I am having the biggest panic attack of my life. And I'm sitting there like, oh my gosh, I manifested this because I told my husband, what if I die on a roller coaster before I left? <laughs> it was the worst experience. And I'm just telling you how much of a boss I felt. Just like keeping her calm until I got moving. Because as soon as it started, like we were off the ride. That's when I just like, I looked at my friend. I was like, I need a minute. Like I need to just like cheer up for a second because I thought I was going to die. <laughs> I understand that. Uh, we have this really large Ferris wheel here in Atlanta. And uh, you know, my daughter and I decided we were going to go on it. And so we get all the way up to the top. And I don't know how many stories tall this thing is. Maybe five, six stories tall. I'm and already getting anxiety. <laughs> you're already at the very top of this thing. And now the wind starts blowing. 
And the little right. carriage starts, you know, rocking back and forth, and everybody looks mm-hmm. like freaking ants down below. Right. You know, the one thing I could guarantee is if this carriage does drop, I will be dead because that is quite a freaking fall. Um, so there's there's comfort in that. But you know, I was I was internally freaking out, and I look across the the carriage, and there's my daughter, sheet white sobbing her eyes out we have to get off i can't do this we have to get off i was like well you know we're, we're kind of stuck in place right now so <laughs> we finally got him to to lower the the little device and we got out but yeah i had a similar situation as soon as yeah. we stepped off i just started shaking head to toe i was like oh that was terrible <laughs> your brain just like here's how i might die right like, yeah. that's not that bad and you look at your daughter you're like it's fine <laughs> <laughs> exactly right in my my head. I've already made my wills. I've sent my text. Everything's good. I've said goodbyes. Oh <laughs> but okay, I'm constantly like this bleeds into my business a bit, but I'm constantly like telling clients, I'm like, okay, here's this file. Like if I die, you have access to this. Just so you know, like everything. Because like you hear horror stories of like people like breaking up or getting into fights or anything. Like I'm never worried about that. Even like the, the meanest client, like I've, I've given everything with grace, you know, <laughs> but I worry if I die. So like, I understand here's, that. Here's access. You know, you need these things. Yes. Yes. It's it, That's how a lot of conversations end in my house, too. If I die, make sure this doesn't happen. Or if I die, yeah. make sure this person gets that. Because, I mean, the reality of it is you could pop an aneurysm at any second and you're dead. You know, there's, right. there's nothing that could be done for that. So, right. um, yeah, it, it is very important. And I don't think that enough people do that. I don't think we're the weird ones. I think everyone else is. I think they're I, in denial. Right. I definitely think that there, there's, there is a fine line though, because there was, there was one time I was walking at night and I was, I mean, I'm a little person, you know, like and my son's about the size of me at like 12. So nice, I'm, nice. It's, it's not going to end well if something happens. And I've seen some YouTube videos. Um, but I also, I don't want to teach him that the world is a scary place. And like, you sure. need to constantly be worrying about dying or that you constantly <laughs> need to be worrying about this. I I think it's, I think it's so smart to have plans in place though. Yes. And, and I, I don't know why. And in fact, my husband just um, stopped his, uh, he does like those electronic skateboard things. He races on those. Oh, um, yeah, get me started. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I love him. I'm just not one of those adrenaline people because I'm a mom now. I'm like, I need sure. to live for everybody. <laughs> sure, and yes. Me, like, I, I can't live for me if I'm not alive. So like, you will not find me on a glacier <laughs> or anything like that. And I and I think I'm going to get eaten by a bear. So I don't go too far up the mountain either. Nice. So, I, I like I, I think it's like impeded my quality of life as if I really needed adrenaline and stuff. But I don't like I'm so I get enough of that from horror movies. I understand okay. that. Yes. Yeah, like I have a good quality of life, but there's definitely a balance. Like walking at night, I don't want my son to think that like we're gonna get kidnapped every second. But like, for <laughs> him to be aware, wear reflective gear. Yes. And I don't know if someone starts chasing you, ditch your reflective gear. And <laughs> so it's it's a fine line um, of being realistic with the challenges that come with being human and living with humans. Yes. Yeah. You know, I um I spent a little time in uh, Memphis, Tennessee, on a travel assignment, and uh, that is 
Wow, we that is an I am area. I'm so sorry. Yeah, you genuinely have to be concerned about dying every second of every day. Um, yeah. And you know, existing in those conditions, um, it really alters your perception on things, and yeah. it makes for folks who have to live, who have no other choice because of finances, they have to live in those areas. It makes yeah. me feel really terrible for them because I understand a little bit more about, um, you know, inabilities to, to be compliant with, with your medications because you don't have time for that. You're just trying to dodge bullets, you know? A hundred percent. Yeah, location. Like, I am. I feel very blessed just being in the location that I'm at and yeah. born where I was. Like, that a whole nother conversation yeah. um, of, of, you know, that that's a whole nother thing, but... It's um, we're, we're very fortunate Truth. Where, where we're at right now. Truth. Yeah. Yes. You know, the fact that we get to even sit around and, and talk about death conceptually, that yeah. that is a privilege in itself. <laughs> that 100%. is a, a yeah. huge it's, privilege in itself. Yes. Yep. Yeah. You know, I was thinking you, you experienced loss as a child and then you experienced traumatic loss again as an adult. Mm-hmm. Would you say that that you felt any differently, that you had any different needs in your experience with grief as an adult versus a child? No. <laughs> and the reason I ask that question is, um, as a hospice nurse, I attend quite a few deaths. And mm-hmm. um, I hear all the time uh, that... that Children are going to be fine because they're so resilient. Um, nobody really spends any time coming down to explain to the kids what's going on. It's just kind of, oh, you know, mom died, grandma died, whoever it is. Usher the kids into another room and let the adults do the grieving. Um, and and yeah. so I would just no. like people to hear that there is no difference in the feelings that accompany grief between childhood and adulthood. <laughs> In my experience, absolutely not. Yeah. And if anything, because I wasn't taught as a child how to process grief, mm. it came. It was really bad later too. Yes. Yes. You know, I, I I don't know that ushering kids into another room so that the adults can grieve is necessarily the most constructive thing. I understand the the viewpoint that that comes from that you you want your kids to see you strong um but at the same time you know one of those concepts that shayla introduced was modeling behaviors um Mm -hmm. and i think that the biggest way to teach someone how to grieve is to grieve in front of them you know they're Mm -hmm. they're going to see how you do it and you know if something is dysfunctional that's an opportunity to teach that's an opportunity Mm -hmm. to talk about it um and and that will um, I feel like me, leave a more lasting impression on the child and how to deal with things appropriately than just mm-hmm. letting them figure it out on their own. A hundred percent. In fact, I want to come back to what you just said there is like, or what maybe Shayla said, like modeling behavior. Mm-hmm. Um, I think it's funny that we watch our children model everything else we do. Right. They do everything. They will say the bad word that you say. They will try to shave their non-beard while you shave your beard. Um, They, I just saw a a YouTuber couple that was, so the mom, when she says, no, she says like, no, (laughs) and like, 
says it with like you know a certain way yes and they were recording her daughter he's like did you just hear her she said no uh like exactly yep. how the mom says it yeah it's so we see all these other places but it's funny that um you know we we don't think that it's yeah like somewhere else and and like i've watched my mom lose friends as an adult and so to see there not be the same empathy for me when i lose friends or right you know something that was said to me going to school was you're not there for friends go and learn <laughs> but you really need to sit in someone's shoes and if they're uncomfortable at school like it's i mean is even as an adult like now i have conversations with her as an adult and i'm like but you've experienced this too and she's very you know she acknowledges everything of, of all that when we sure, put that sure you know coding on there like she's very much like i should have done this differently and here's how i would have handled this like we've sure lots of forgiveness going on in all those departments but also understanding too because if i'm not willing to understand that um not everyone's perfect <laughs> you know right. you're never gonna get and heal through those things if you've experienced big traumatic grief right you know it's it's important um i i, I have a, a a similar situation where when i review things in the past i think about how could someone have done that and then mm -hmm. i think about the context around those actions and then it becomes very clear to me, okay, well, you weren't in the clearest headspace at that moment. You know, you had these things going on. And so you were not able to process how to approach that situation right with me. Right. Um, you know, and, and, and suddenly all the things that would make me so angry about the, the things that happened to me when I was a kid um, just kind of felt silly. You know, not, mm -hmm. I don't want to say silly like they weren't important anymore, but... I could justify it. Okay, you know, I, I could I could empathize with how someone in that situation might react that way. Um, yeah, and it, there's it's, definitely it's a letting go happen. moment. Yeah, yeah, and and there's things that happen that are like you can't forgive. And in, in, in my opinion, like there's definitely things that could possibly have happened in your childhood where you're like, okay, maybe you shouldn't have done that to that person. Um, that was illegal. <laughs> like there's big things that could possibly happen. You, you know? know, I find I find the act of forgiveness has so much less to do with the other person than it does with me. Exactly. I, th I, th I think I was just about to yeah, get into that. <laughs> yeah. Some some folks feel like forgiveness is almost a pass saying it was OK what your behavior was. That that's not forgiveness. Um, right. You know, forgiveness is simply saying I'm not going to let it bother me anymore. I'm not right. going to give you that mind space anymore. And, uh, you know, that, that is what it is. Forgiveness doesn't mean I'm inviting you back. No way. <laughs> right. No and, way. And for me, the forgiveness part was I'm not going to, yeah, I'm not going to hurt over this anymore. Right. Right. And, and you don't need to feel that hurt no. anymore. Like that was bad. Yes. And just let it go. And, yes. And I don't even know if other people would classify that as forgiveness maybe they just classify it as letting go but to me it's kind of one of the same it, to me yeah right yeah and and i definitely have strong opinions like if something illegal happens like there is like justification so other things don't happen to other people like there oh yes yes you know forgiveness does not mean there should not be a penalty for the crap that you did right yep right and and that's where it comes in when you can come back like 
and and have that that conversation of accountability. Yes. Um, yeah. Yeah. You know, I I oftentimes say that forgiveness is just about you no longer wanting to be the victim. You know, an action can happen to you one time, but the victimization can occur over and over and over again. And when I when I was when that perspective was first introduced to me. It literally blew my freaking mind. I, I never thought about all the power I was still giving those individuals. Um, right. And, and there's one thing I don't like to be, and this comes from a, a, a childhood of trauma. Um, I don't like to be powerless. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I yeah. do not like to be powerless. And, and so when I got that perspective, it was so clear to me what I had to do. Um, and and the weight that came off of my shoulders was insane. It was insane. Yeah. Um, I, I highly recommend if 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 anybody views, you know, forgiving as as an okay to to kind of adjust the way you look at that. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> You're doing yourself a favor by doing it and a disservice by harboring all those things, you know, because it just it releases all kinds of terrible hormones in your blood system too, cortisol. Um, and that does crazy things to your blood sugar and to your, your vasculature. And that's just, you know, you're bringing physical health issues on yourself, too. There's lots yeah. of reasons to forgive and let go. Lots of reasons. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. And process. <laughs> yeah. 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 You know, and, and it just your quality of life, man, it's everything. Quality of life is everything. So much of our culture is based on living longer and longer and and. That's okay if if you have good quality. You know, I, I take care of some folks who come into the hospital that are 103 years old and, and they're still minimal medications and they live at home and, and they're still productive, constructive members of their community. Um, that's great for them. But then I take care of some people who are like 60 years old and, and due to, to other circumstances and, and comorbidities – they're not able to communicate. They're stuck in a bed. They're just no quality of life whatsoever. Um, yeah. I, I'm just such a huge proponent of anything that adds quality to your life, making sure you do it. Right. Yeah. Agreed. <laughs> yeah. It, it, it's it's funny to me how that is such – when you talk so – I want to circle back to what you said earlier when you said you felt morbid saying that, you know, the person was no longer suffering – I find it funny that we have to say that, that we have to, to add context to that when to me, that is the most humane, compassionate viewpoint to have on death. It is right. the end of suffering because that quality of life was so awful Yeah, that that honestly is worse than having no life at all. Right. And I, I think for me, it just kind of comes from a place of you know there was some stories that I heard in my suicide survival group where you know the the mom was going through postpartum and and she took her life and now the baby's left without the mom so I I definitely think that there are some cases where I I don't really know that that person is like out of pain and, and and so better because sometimes the pain is temporary and, it, and it's the grief but mm-hmm. the, and and I think that's why your podcast is so powerful and what we're talking about is so powerful because grief I mean j- just like you talked about that patient you were taking care of like 
that does that to you. It puts you in bed. It, it puts you, sometimes yes. it can kill you. Yes. Um, and, and that you think that taking yourself out is a better idea, but I mean, and, and there's people who have failed their attempts and they're like, I'm so glad <laughs> I, I didn't, you know? And there so, are people who have failed their attempts that have lived to regret it. Um, yes, you know, yeah. I, I tell folks all the time, I am, I am safe from ever trying to commit suicide because I, I am liable to fuck it up more than I am not. <laughs> yeah. Oh my gosh. I can't imagine living with something. Half Half ahead. Right. I, I, I've like literally. The people who survive it and are good, they are yes. miracle. Yes. Yes. I, I have literally taken care of patients in the neuro ICU that have, have shot themselves in the head and survived. Yeah. And yep. it's not yeah. well that they survive, but they've survived. Um, because yeah. God bless our paramedics and our EMTs. If there is anything on this planet those fuckers are good at, it is getting you back to life. My God, they're so good at it. And it doesn't matter what your condition is. They're so good yeah. at it that they're probably going to get you back. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Um, but yes, it's it's uh, suicide is such a, a, an interesting um, psychology. It is such a um, traumatic event. I remember when I was a, a little kid, we lived in Indiana at the time, so I had to have been less than eight. And um, my aunt's best friend, they were both teachers at the local elementary school, she committed suicide. Um, and I remember just how my grandma had died a few years earlier than that. And I remember the feeling with that death and mm -hmm. how it just felt different with, uh -huh. with this other death. Um, and how everybody wanted to shroud things in this religious perspective versus being supportive of the people who were grieving uh, the loss. Mm -hmm. um, and and I, I just, I hated every second of that disservice. I remember thinking because the woman who died was such a wonderful, wonderful individual. Mm -hmm. um, and I just remember thinking how no one's really talking about my Aunt Patty. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Everyone's just talking about kind of what she did. That was that was one second. Why is her entire existence being defined by that? Yeah. Um, yep. And I feel like that also adds a complication to the level of grief that y'all experience as the surviving members of suicide. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I, and especially for people like just kind of tip. Yeah. It's such a sensitive thing when. Yes. It, you were on the other side of it and you asked somebody, oh, why'd they die? Like, <laughs> I hate that question. But before, like, I mean, uh, granted, I was a little kid, you know, but it's like, oh, how? Like, it, it makes sense. So I got to ask that. Or when even now, when my favorite celebrity dies, I'm like, right. how? Like, right. I, I think it's natural to wonder it, but I think it is such a good piece of advice to stop and don't ask it. Right. I, I feel like if people want to share that, they will. Yes. Um, yes. It's kind of like a breakup almost. Like you don't just go and like, oh, what happened? I mean, some people do. But <laughs> other than that, we're like, oh, we, we hope you're happy. You know, if you don't want to get right. into the breakup talk, we're like, we hope you're doing well. Right. And I think that that's kind of the same mindset. You know, light bulb's got this idea. I, I think that's the same light yes. <laughs> mindset that you should have when somebody dies because it is such a tragic thing to be like, why and and yeah. some people even if it's a car accident it's like 
Well, they were driving somewhere to get me something and they died. Right. And people are in such a weird path with their grief. Yes. That like they'll spill it. Like when they tell you that they died in a car accident, it'll sound like it's my fault because I sent them to the store. Right. And right. that's such a crazy thing to tread on. Like you'd rather like example, maybe say, hey, can I please bring you some food? Like right. They, sounds a little cliche, but I, I feel like when I'm grieving, I don't want to cook for myself. And even more so if there's a mom grieving. Yes. I can't take care of my kids like that. That would be hard. So. Right. Right. Yeah. Help it's <laughs> It's been my experience with hospice that I allow my grieving family members to steer the conversation. Uh, yeah. Um, I, I'm not very big into asking questions. You know, I, I'm not going to ask you how you are because I know how you are. You're, you're, you're miserable right now. <laughs> yeah. um, you know, the, the questions I might ask are, have you eaten today? How yep. much sleep yep. have you had? Um, you know, those are things that I ask. I, I'm not so much worried about your mental headspace because I know where that is. I know where that is. Right. And it's no place good in this moment. Right. Um, Can I take your dog for a walk for you? Yeah, exactly. Like, like, exactly. I you mean, know. and I know that those are like out of the box things that you wouldn't normally ask. But if anyone's curious how to genuinely help right. somebody grieving, in my experience, those are the things. Like, right. let me come and clean your kitchen today. Exactly. You know, do you need help with your laundry this week? You know, we can. Yeah. You know, things like that. I, I work with uh, this really thoughtful director and. Um, one of our, our old director actually just got deployed overseas uh, to, to somewhere. And um, instead of, you know, gift cards or whatever else you, you could give someone or food, she got them like house cleaning service and she got them, uh, you know, a laundry mm -hmm. service to help the, the wife adjust to, you know, being alone with the kids for the next year. Um, so smart. Yes. I was like, wow, what a thoughtful gift like that. That's. That was really impressive. <laughs> very yeah. kind. Very kind. Yeah. Yes. You know, and that's that's ultimately, I, I try to tell folks that ultimately if we're acting from a place of kindness, you almost can't go wrong until you start stepping on boundaries. <laughs> exactly. Well, it comes back to that communication piece that I mentioned earlier. Like, say things without the intention to hurt people's feelings right. or to... Um, I mean, ask yourself, like, an intention is everything. Um, mm -hmm, are you mm -hmm. saying this because they asked you for advice? Or are you saying this because you think that they need to hear your advice? Right, because you think you know better. Right. 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 And, and, and you don't. You. I mean, I don't. I mean, maybe you do know how to clean a kitchen really well. But, like, you don't know this person's life. You don't know what motivates right. them. You don't know if they just need to clean when they feel like cleaning. Like, right. Right. There's so many other things in, involved especially in in grief like i'm yes. i'm not just talking about like discipline or chores like there's that's a whole rabbit hole of other things we could go down to you know correct but correct it, it's when you're it's grieving everything's crazy yes it's amazing how yeah. many things we can do a root cause analysis and find the culprit to be grief yeah you know bad attitudes probably stemming from some sort of grief somewhere um, yeah. You know, and, and often I don't want to invalidate the grieving of relationships, you know, divorce. There's there's far few things, you know, more painful than a divorce, you know, because it is the death of a, of a family union. Um, yep. It's 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 
its own beast, that is for sure. Um, yep. You know, so when we when we see all of these these people and these bad behaviors, maybe if we keep in mind and act compassionately towards folks, um, keep in mind that their behavior may have nothing to do with you. So why are you internalizing it? You know, why is it <laughs> affecting you personally? Right. That behavior has nothing to do with you at all. That's that's how oh. I try to to interact with my patients. Um, when folks are very nasty because, boy, oh, boy, some sick people are uh, not exactly Miss Congeniality contestants. Um, <laughs> and, well, uh, I see a lot of people <laughs> asking questions about, like, kids that are like, oh, my toddler this, my toddler that, this and that. And it's coming from a lot of, like, more and more people are splitting up and there's yeah. co-parenting situations. Yeah. Um, and, you know, praise to all the people who are getting out of their relationships for the better, sure. you know, what, whatever's best. Um, but when your toddler has a meltdown, you know, going back and forth, yeah. um, even if it's not every other week, even if it's just like on the weekend or something or just a visit, um, that's weird for them. And I, and I've been on both spectrums, you know, I'm now a co-parent, but my, my parents are split up and we had to visit each other and it was weird. Yeah. Um, it's a huge loss. It's a huge, like, uncomfortable. And toddlers are already a mess. <laughs> so I, I think everything kind of comes back to grief. Um, we're going to experience it in work when our favorite coworker leaves or, yes. um, in my case, like, my favorite client that leaves or something. Yeah. Like, or maybe you applied for something and you didn't get it. Right. Um, there's, always, there's all these levels, um, but I think the moral of the story is we all just need to kind of just be nicer right and understand that everybody's grieving just like you yeah. everybody's and, and grieving don't just, just dismiss like it <laughs> right don't dismiss it and and to the other aspect of it don't ever feel alone don't no. ever feel like you're the only person whose head is in this fucked up space right now because i guarantee right. you if you look to the right or left one or both of them <laughs> might right. be in a similar headspace, you know, but right. you, you just don't know because maybe, maybe they put on a better show. Yeah. Um, yep. I think that's, that's also something that we need to understand is that some people are a lot better at hiding these emotions, but it doesn't mean they don't experience them. Yep. Um, and, and so it's really important to check on those folks, really important to check on those folks. And it, 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 again, it doesn't have to be anything as crazy as, you know, hey, how are you? Tell me everything that's going on with you. It could just be something as simple as, hey, you want to get coffee and talk and just let them talk. Yep. You know, there's a lot of power in just saying, mm-hmm, wow, mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. Yep. Just getting to voice those concerns. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. That is that is everything when it comes to grief and processing. Well, my friend, tell me about the projects that you are currently working on with your business. Oh, my goodness. My business. <laughs> Which I also think is such a product from grief. Like being an artist is, is such a magical mm -hmm. thing to, to dive into. Very therapeutic, by the way. Yes. Um. So, I mean, right now I'm, I'm really trying to just work on my, my customers' journeys. I have uh, six clients and I'm just trying to refine my skills better so I can make better quality videos. Nice. Better, you know, short form videos um, and just hanging out with my clients. I'm not trying to expand too big. You know, my, my reason why is already fulfilled. I'm, I'm already doing 
what I want to be doing, you know, five awesome. years after starting this. Yeah. So I'm in a really good space. Um, awesome. But yeah, I guess, I mean, I go live and, and I do, and I do tips. So, um, I'll, I'll give out some tips for people to be consistent with their social media nice. um, and, and, and things like that and how to, um, make some of your shorter videos. But other than that, my business isn't really doing too much, ex you know, nothing too exciting over here. <laughs> right. You're at your big picture. You're at your big yeah. picture. And that's amazing. That's amazing. Yeah. And it always makes me happy to hear that. You know, it, it, you don't have to, to become some crazy billion dollar company to be a success. Right. You know, success is what you pictured at. And if, if everything is right where you want it, you can't get any more successful than that. That's right. amazing. I, yeah. And, and I think a lot of people need to value that. Sorry, can I keep going a little oh, bit? Oh, yeah. Go, go, go. <laughs> uh, just, just for the business aspect, because I know you do have a lot of entrepreneurs on, mm -hmm. on your podcast mm -hmm. with, you know, where we all came from. Um, but I, I think there's a huge difference in, like, um, somebody who can be a leader and, like, run a team, somebody who can be, like, a manager, work like a you know, I add another job on a team doing really well. And then somebody who can work on their own. Like there's three different people in, in those categories that I've created. And <laughs> I don't want to be a, a leader. Sure. <laughs> I don't want to manage other people. That sure. to me is not my company being successful. My company being successful. Like I, I started it so I could pay my bills and yeah. pick up my son to and from school. I needed to make my own schedule. Like yeah, that that was the biggest challenge with being a single parent is you either you're not doing pickup or you're not doing drop off or maybe both. Right. And it, like working full time is, is hard. So that was my my only goal. Um, and I've accomplished that. But I've also I've I've worked with people on startup businesses that I that I like that I thought were going to work out. And um, I don't mean to have a conflicting personality. <laughs> I just I'm one of those people when they're like don't get a partner because it's bad. Like I fall into that category and, and I feel like it's an anomaly. If you can find like a good partner relationship and it doesn't go bad. Right. I actually just recently heard about one, um, that, that went South and I, I looked up to them. I thought it was going to work out. So we just, um, yeah. it, it's kind of like you're married. If you yes. partners. But to me, like I am, I'm so good at where I'm at. Um, but yeah. I, I do outsource things, but I, I think it's, fun like if i hire a drone guy like he sets his rate he's doing his thing sure, um, i sure. don't have to tell him how much i want to pay him for a job like he tells me how much it would be and then i, I price it out to the client and, and we get things done and, and he gets paid through them so um yeah it's i, I think it's important to know where to stop to be yes. successful too because i don't want to build out anymore i just want to build up yeah 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 yeah, refine what you have. Refine what you have. Because unfortunately, with, with technology being what it is, there is always something in your industry to learn. <laughs> I, yep, yep. In fact, my son knows Adobe Crate better than I do, and oh, I'm geez. considering paying him to teach me. So, um, yes. Like, I'm. You know, I, yeah. I, I don't know how old you are, but I'm, I'm in my, my early mid 40s. And uh, I'm 32. <laughs> technology for me is not necessary. I, I always had a computer in the classroom, right. but there was not always internet. Um, yeah. And and in my house, I didn't have a computer in my house until I was 17 years old. 
Yeah. Um, yeah. We, in fact, we still had a console Magnavox TV. 1997 was a big year for the Ellis household, let me tell you. We got a flat screen TV and we got a computer in the same year. Wow. I don't know what happened. Um, so technology is just not my go-to. It's just not the first thing I think about, you know, and, and yeah. jumping into business, especially doing a form of media, um, I, I got to get good at that crap fast, and and it's not anything I enjoy. <laughs> I think it's so important, though. Like you're such a good host, and I think it's important to be good at what you're good at, and it's yeah. okay to outsource the editing. But you're doing the hard part. Like you are the brand, um, yes. And and that's not something that you could pay an editor to say, "Hey, make a brand for me." Like, right. Know how that works. Like right. you already have your trust in your audience. Yeah. So uh, honestly, you just got to delegate it. And and the fact like I, I met a lady one time that had a whole cleaning business for like over 20 years and she didn't know how to email like properly. <laughs> I don't, or send yes. invoices. I don't remember what it was like she was doing something wrong. She always had to have somebody else do it. But like, like you're not there. Yeah. You're, so, you're good. You're going to be okay. <laughs> yeah, no, I, t I totally understand. You know, nursing, nursing is all I know. And and so, you know, I, I come outside of nursing into a world that is very different from what nursing is. And yeah. um, it's 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 been a culture shock, but I'm, I'm, I'm working to adapt. You know, I, I'm picking up little lessons from other folks that were uh, in our blocks community on on how to do things. And and I get um, there's there's a guy named Tony who owns a company called Sausages of Freedom. It's the only yes. veteran-owned mm -hmm. sausage company. And uh, he was kind enough to send me um, some some videos on how to shoot videos and, and things of that nature. So that's been nice. uh, a huge resource for me. Um, but, yeah, that's, that's one of the things I love about surrounding myself with other entrepreneurs is – Everybody knows something I don't. <laughs> yeah. Wait, so that, that was your season, right? With um, Yeah, with season him. 11. Oh, okay. Season 11 okay. was me. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I, I, we remember that blocks off. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> we all remember that blocks off. <laughs> and that's because it hasn't gone out yet, but like hopefully they, they cut that well enough. <laughs> that's really freaking funny. That's really freaking I'm, funny. I'm and, waiting for it. Oh. Well, and the thing is... I was in the green room, so I didn't hear oh, any of that. Yeah. Okay, then I can't tell you. <laughs> yeah, I didn't hear any of that stuff. I, I was I was back there waiting to come out on my own. Yeah. That is hilarious. And that's how it works. Yeah, when I went to my blocks off, you know, I, I didn't hear anything. And everybody was laughing about how funny uh, Geo was, uh, Smokey Doo's barbecue. Oh, yeah, um, yeah. Yeah, she was on. I, so I was on season eight. Um, gotcha. And. Yeah, it's, it's, so I was in the back, and then I come back, and like you were hilarious, and I was the last one to go, so I didn't see anybody's like. But of course, like they put you back in the other room, anyways. But like I didn't hear. I mean, I, I tried, but I couldn't hear anything. It, yeah, it, it, it was <laughs> it was a very uh, whirlwind situation because I I did not yeah. expect. You know, I I had only been at this for like two months when I went. And uh, so, A, I was shocked as hell that they even chose me. Um, and, and B, I guess I was just really shocked the entire time I was there that I was there. <laughs> yeah. Well, and I, I love that you came to season 11. Like, I, I love where it's moved. Um, the food, I love not cooking for myself for five days. That was great. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So. <laughs> yeah, it was it was a really great experience. Um, 
once I get a little more experience and have have some uh, ego behind me, I'll probably go again and give it a shot. Um, Do it. But yeah, it was it was a great time. I, I highly recommend it for anybody who's starting a business to take a look at that process. It, you won't regret it. A hundred percent. Yep. Yep. Well, my friend, how can how can folks find the tips that you release uh, should they want to get your expertise? Yes. Uh, so it's editing by Des, uh, editing, B-Y-D-E-Z, <laughs> uh, all one word. Uh, I'm on Instagram, I'm on TikTok, um, and I'm also on Facebook. And yeah, that's Awesome. I hop up on live. And awesome. That's where I'll be. Awesome. Awesome. Well, my friend, I greatly appreciate you being on the show today, Des. And anything you should need in the future, don't hesitate to call me. And if you ever want to come back, shoot me a message. Shoot me a message, friend. Okay, I will. Thank you so much for having me. This is great. Anytime. Anytime. Happy Thanksgiving. You too. Bye-bye. Bye. Death Daddy's Graveyard Shift is more than just a podcast. It's a movement. We envision a world where conversations about death are normalized and people can openly discuss their fears, hopes, and experiences surrounding mortality. By inspiring a deeper understanding and acceptance of death, we hope to inspire a greater appreciation for life. Remember that life is short, so why not embrace the quirkiness and lighten up the darkness? Join us on Death Daddy's Graveyard Shift as we embark on a transformative journey through the realm of death. Together, let's uncover the beauty that lies within these final chapters of our existence. Tune in. Subscribe. Let's make death a little less scary one episode at a time.